Morning, church. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hang on a second. I want to make a note to myself. <laughs> we have um, two of our newer members here at the church, our newest members, really. We got Toby Gilliam, who's up there with his wife, Lisa, and we have Bob Koo. Now, they're, they're attenders at the 830 service, but we want to welcome them to the congregation. Just let every, all of our folks and all our services know about them. Once a month, we offer our Discover class. It's typically the second Sunday of the month, which will be next Sunday. We offer it after each service. About a 30-minute presentation on our core beliefs. So if somebody's looking for a church home, kind of church shopping, as they say, that's the next step is to attend that Discover class to see what those core beliefs are, if they align with your beliefs. Also, it is available online at our website, www.verachristian.com. So both of these guys, they watched it online and then say, yeah, we're, we're all in. So that is available to you as well. Now, uh, last Sunday, we had a guest, Mary Foltz, who was worshiping with us for the first time. And I sent her an email uh, saying, thank you for worshiping with us. That's what I do for all first-time guests, if they leave contact information, just send an email. And then she responded. She said, greeting, Steve. I received a wonderful, warm welcome when I visited. So I'll push pause right there and say, kudos, Vero Christian Church, for being warm and wonderful. Amen. Yeah, we can't overestimate how important that is when guests come, because if they don't feel welcomed and, and warm, have a nice, fuzzy, warm welcome, they're not going to really listen to my above-average sermon. Right? So, well done right there. But she continues, today I'm flying home to Virginia after visiting my mother in Vero for a week. I appreciated the solid and thoughtful sermon by the minister who preached good scriptures, good message, and still echoing in my mind. Of course, that was Scott Blount, our associate minister who preached this past Sunday while I was on vacation. I, I watched this service uh, later on on YouTube, and she's right. It was a fantastic message on being present with the Lord. We all want to be present with God. And one of the reasons it was so effective is not only because Scott is a student of the Word. I mean, he, read, he studies and reads constantly. I feel like I read a lot of books, but if anybody out reads me, it is Scott. I, always go, I often go to him for book recommendations, but he also lives that. He, he lives that life of being present with the Lord. That is true of him, and it gives him an authenticity and a genuineness and a compassion. I'm sure he's ministered to many people here this morning, and you know that he's the real deal. So I really appreciate, appreciate Scott so much. Now, he's out on vacation today, and so I can say these things. Don't tell him I said that. You can't compliment preacher types too much or they get the big head. But I like, uh, I like what he talked about being present with the Lord because it's in line with the sermon series that we're currently talking about now, if you're new to us, uh, a few weeks ago, we started this sermon series called Rhythm. And the premise of it is, is we want to be in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. We want to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. And so each week we're talking about different ways in which we do that. And just like Jesus said, there's uh, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. I feel like the, the greatest rhythm to be in, in sync with the Holy Spirit is to read God's Word, and the second one is prayer. Now, there are others that we're going to be talking about, but I started two weeks ago talking about the importance of reading the Bible every day, all Christians. Not, not be, 
It's not just for ministers. This is for all Christians. So everybody who was here two weeks ago and heard that message is reading the Bible every day, right? So we started with that. And then today I want to move on to prayer. Prayer is a rhythm of the Holy Spirit. Now, each Sunday we want to make sure that we see this direct connection in the Scriptures between whatever this lifestyle practice is and the Holy Spirit. So today I intend this to be sort of motivational for us. Most of us are already praying, but motivational maybe for those who aren't praying regularly and maybe add a little bit to those who are a little value to your prayer life. And then next Sunday, maybe we'll deal more about with the format and the mechanics and and how to um, work that out in prayer. But today, what I want us to see is three connections between prayer and the Holy Spirit. Three connections. I want to start with the power connection, the power connection. Now, every one of us who is a Christian has the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive that when we are baptized. Uh, Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again in Acts 5.32, The Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey Him. So we have the Holy Spirit, but we need to engage the power of the Holy Spirit who is within us. Now I want to read you a handful of scriptures here, and these are just designed to leave an impression leave an impression. The impression is there is a direct connection between prayer and the Holy Spirit, and specifically having the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go. Romans 8, 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Whatever else that verse means, it means that when we pray, the Holy Spirit goes to work. Luke 3, 21, as Jesus was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him. Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jude 20, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3, 16, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian Christians. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And Acts 4.31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a direct connection between prayer, the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. When we pray... Our spirit is intersecting with the Holy Spirit, and we are awakening the sleeping giant of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, for our knowledge, for our truth, for our revelation, for our teaching, we go to the Word of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit to us today is not teaching. He inspired the apostles in the apostolic circle, and they wrote the Bible, and that's where we go for our truth, the Word of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit to us is power. That's where we go for power. In Mark chapter 9, the disciples of Jesus were attempting to cast a demon out of a boy. Father was desperate. He said, this demon is trying to kill my boy. Throws him into the fire. Throws him into the water. Violent convulsions. And the disciples failed. They couldn't do it. Jesus showed up. He had not been present. And then he showed up. 
and he cast the demon out. Later on in a private moment, the disciples asked Jesus, why did we fail? Why couldn't we cast the demon out? And Jesus responded, Mark 9, 29, this kind, this kind of demon can be cast out only by prayer. Okay, particularly obstinate and stubborn demon. But the curious thing is that Jesus did not pray when he cast out the demon. He just commanded the demon to come out. So what's, what's that all about? What prayer is he referring to? Well, this is an inference on my part, but I believe the prayer that Jesus was referring to was the lifestyle of prayer that characterized the practice in the life of Jesus every day. He got up often while it was still dark and early to go off to a quiet place and pray. That was the prayer that prepared him for this confrontation with this demon. The only person who was going to be able to help that boy that day was a man of prayer. And Jesus was that man. Now, parents and grandparents, just think about our children and our grandchildren for a moment. Do we want to help our children? Do we want to protect our children? We absolutely do. I mean, a lot of parents go to great extremes to protect their children. That, that is a parent's responsibility. They'll homeschool their kids or send them to a private Christian school and teach situational awareness and maybe get a bulletproof backpack. I, I think all of those things are well and good. But my question right here is, are we as parents, grandparents, are we doing the most important thing that we can do to protect our children from the, the most dangerous attacks from which they are vulnerable? Are our children still under attack? Jesus said the devil has come to kill, to steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy children, our children. Are we doing what only we can do to help protect them from attack? And that is prayer. It's not to say that if we pray, our children will not take a walk on the wild side sometime. They still have free will. But it won't be because we didn't pray. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Be alert and always keep on praying. We want to stand our ground. And that's not just praying for our children, as important as it is. It's praying for ourselves, being this kind of person who syncs up with the Holy Spirit in prayer so that we have power. I recommend as a resource The Power of a Praying Parent by Stormy O'Marty. And there's a lot of great books out, this, out there about this. But this one is Wonderful. Father's Day is coming up. Buy that as a Father's Day gift. That's my recommendation. Number, so, that, so what were we talking about? We're talking about connections between the Holy Spirit and prayer. And this connection I'm calling the power connection. Now, this second one I call the holiness connection. The holiness connection. And you recall, when we started out and we launched this series, we said, where is that that we want to go? Where do we want, want to wind up? And one of those places has to do with holiness, being holy. The, holy. the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness. He helps us to be holy. He helps us in the sanctification process. That's the gradual, progressive process 
of becoming like Christ. Remember we said we want to, be, we want to have less of Romans 7 in our lives. Where Paul said, I don't understand myself, I'm doing the things I don't want to do, and I'm not doing the things I do want to do. We want to have less of that. We want to have more of Romans 8. Paul said, by the Holy Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. We want to walk with a clear conscience before the Lord. We want to have victory over temptation and sin. We want sin to be the embarrassing exception of our lives, not the humiliating rule of our lives. All right, so this is what I mean by the holiness connection between the Spirit and prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 13, Jesus taught His disciples, this then is how you should pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is in the Lord's Prayer, where He actually starts off saying, give us this day our daily bread. And as many have remarked, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer without praying daily. Rhetorical question. How many of us this morning prayed this? Lord, lead me not into temptation today, but deliver me from the evil one. And if not, why not? Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus said to his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, when did Jesus say this to the disciples? Well, course, this was in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was facing his own temptation, probably his last and greatest temptation, the temptation to allow the cup of suffering that the Father had prepared for him to pass. And so Jesus was praying through that temptation so that he would not fail and he would not falter. And he's encouraging his disciples to do the same thing. You guys, you need to pray through this temptation because you're weak. Well, they slept while Jesus prayed, and Jesus passed his test, and every one of those disciples succumbed to temptation that night. There is a direct connection between our holiness and our victory over temptation and sin and prayer. In Matthew chapter 4, remember when Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's being tempted by the devil. And he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says that he was hungry. Satan came to him, and one of the temptations, since you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responded, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, in one sense, Jesus would have been vulnerable to this temptation because he was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. But in another sense, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit at this time in his life. He'd just been baptized, and the Holy Spirit had come upon him. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. He had been fasting. That's a spiritual rhythm. He had been reflecting on the Word of God. That's a spiritual rhythm. He had been praying. That is a spiritual rhythm. And strategically, this might have been the worst possible time for Satan to take a run at Jesus because he was full of the Spirit. The holiness-spirit connection. Part of our problem, our problem, is that we try to do this thing in our own strength through sheer willpower. We try to muscle through obedience to the will of God. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to grit my teeth. I'm going to overcome temptation. I'm going to be obedient to God. And that doesn't work. 
It never works. It never has worked. See, what's different? What, what was different about the day of Pentecost was the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what they never had before. That's what we all have now. We can't do this thing alone. Here's what I jotted down just a minute ago. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? I'm not enough unless you come. That's absolutely true, what we sang right there. Romans 8, Paul writes, What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And if I'm going day by day in a string of days without praying, this is exactly what I'm trying to do. Muscle it out on willpower alone. It's like Clark Kent laying on his deathbed, an old man, having spent his entire life being kicked around and ridiculed and bullied, and he looks down at his undershirt and he says, what's that big S right there? What's that all about? And somebody says, well, Clark Kent, what that's all about, you were Superman. You just never took advantage of your superpowers. How sad would that be? Well, how sad for a Christian to get to their end of the, the end of their life, having been kicked around and ridiculed and bullied and pushed this way and that way by every wave and every temptation. They look down and see an S at their undershirt. Say, what's that all about? That stands for the Holy Spirit. His power and His holiness was available to us our entire lives, but we never asked for it because we didn't pray. I'm not calling anybody out here. I'm calling us up. We need to be called up and up to and in our prayer lives. So we're just talking about these connections between the Holy Spirit and prayer. There's a power connection, a holiness connection. And then thirdly, there's a peace connection. Romans 8.6, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Peace. Mark chapter 8, we read how Jesus got into the boat with the disciples and they're crossing the Sea of Galilee and the storm whips up and the boat starts to be swamped. The disciples are panicking while Jesus is sleeping on a mat in the stern of the boat. Remember that? And they wake Jesus up. Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? And Jesus got up and he calmed the sea. Now I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that alongside of the incident in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I thought this, Jesus slept while others panicked because Jesus prayed while others slept. What keeps us awake at night? Is it fear or is it prayer? Paul writes in Philippians 4, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The man who wrote that had unmatched credibility. A man in prison, chained to a guard under the sentence of death. And he said, don't worry. Replace that with prayer. Prayer is the anti-worry. A prayer characterized by thanksgiving. Frederick Buchner writes that the grace of God is like a still small voice that says to us this, here is the world, terrible and beautiful things will happen, 
Don't be afraid. I am with you. We never experience a day where terrible things don't happen, and we never experience a day where beautiful things don't happen. The terrible thing should drive us to prayer. Oswald Chambers wrote, I feel sorry for the Christian who doesn't have something in the circumstances of his life that he wishes were not there. Why would he say that? Because the terrible things drive us to God in prayer. I fall asleep every night listening to the Psalms. I love it. If you have insomnia sometimes, you should try that. Just listen to the Psalms, put it on 15 minutes, and let God read you to sleep. But last week, I was in Psalm 107. And in Psalm 107, the psalmist describes the various crises that are coming into the lives of God's people and how they respond. I mean, it's crisis after crisis after crisis. And I noticed a theme. Verse 6, and then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 13, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Do you have trouble? I don't want to minimize anybody's trouble. I know in this congregation we have cancer. I know we have grief. I know we have estranged marriages. I know we have children who are taking a walk on the wild side and, and worse. I know that. But when we have trouble, we cry out to the Lord. We're talking about the peace connection. Someone has said the most common prayers are please help and thank you, but that maybe we should reverse those and start with thank you and then go to please help. I want to end with a reading by Gregory Lamont. Today when I awoke, I suddenly realized this was going to be the best day of my life ever. There were times when I wondered if I would make it to today, but I did. And because I did, I'm going to celebrate. Today I'm going to celebrate what an unbelievable life I've had so far, the accomplishment, the many blessings, and even the hardships, because they have served to make me stronger. I will go through this day with my head held high and a happy heart. I will marvel at God's seemingly simple gifts, the morning dew, the sun, the clouds, the trees, the flowers, the birds. Today, none of the miraculous creations will escape my notice. Today, I will share my excitement for life with other people. I will make someone smile. I will perform an unexpected act of kindness for someone I don't know. I'll give a sincere compliment to someone who seems down. Today, I won't worry about what I don't have. I'll be grateful for all the wonderful things that God has already given to me. I'll remember that to worry is just a waste of time, but to pray is an act of faith. And then tonight... Before I go to bed, as the day ends, and I lay my head down on my pillow, I will thank the Almighty for the best day of my life. And I will sleep the sleep of a contented child, excited with expectation because I know tomorrow is going to be the best day of my life ever. The Holy Spirit wants to give us power and holiness and peace. Before we left the house this morning, did we think to pray? Would you bow your heads with me? Our Father in heaven, we repent 
of the prayerlessness in our lives. We repent that there have been long strings of days, some maybe even weeks sometimes, or even months, where we have grieved the Holy Spirit and quenched Him simply by ignoring Him. There's no question that all of us in here this morning, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the holiness of the Holy Spirit. And we need His peace. We need that. And so we pray for it. We pray, God, that out of Your glorious riches, You will strengthen us with power through Your Spirit in our inner beings. We pray that today You will lead us not into temptation, but will deliver us from the evil one. We pray today with thanksgiving and we put all of our anxieties and worries upon you and ask for the peace that passes understanding. We thank you for answering each one of those prayers on our behalf today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.